sound so beautifully today. God is pleased with your playing today. Amen. So uh, it's a blessing that people are versatile. She hasn't played the drums in I don't know how long, but she went in there and did it. Yeah, thank you so much. Because if not, I would have to do that. <laughs> we would have been rocking. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So we can Where do you think JR got it from? You said T Rex. Y'all wrong. Yes, 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 yes. All right, all right. How many people want to be blessed? Sing a hymn or something. 
Now, this is a parallel message, I mean, a parallel scripture to what we read earlier in um, Matthew, all right? It's just, they're talking about the same thing. That's parallel, the same thing. Now, I want you to look at something. Look at the middle of the verse in 6, 37 and 38. It says, judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men give unto your bosom. For the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, I want you to pay, pay very close uh, attention to this text. The word money does not appear in this text at all. But if we're honest, for those of us that have been in church maybe two weeks, just two weeks, we like to use that verse when it comes to offering time. Come on, everybody, it's offering time. If you give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, and run it over. Show men, give it to your bosom. Everybody's like, yeah, I want to give. No, 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 no. It means something different. Now, let me ask you a question as I, 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 I move over. I digress for a second. Now, I can ask you guys over and over again, how often do I preach about giving? And some of you guys say, not much. And I would really want to say, I preach about giving every week. Yeah. I just don't preach about giving money yeah. every week. Okay? This is actually the second time in eight years that I've actually preached on Sunday about giving. I always, about giving money, but I always preach about giving. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave. Now, I can't preach about marriage if I don't preach about giving. And marriage won't work unless two people are giving. We're not just talking about finances when we're talking about giving. This applies to every area of our life. We have to understand that giving is all about the heart. And by the way, that's the title of today's message. It's all about the heart. Jesus said, Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, some of y'all might be saying this. Well, you know, he's after our money and the church is after our money. The church just wants money. And I've seen these pastors on TV and, and all this stuff. Well, look, no, 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 no. The church is not after your money. God is after your money. Some of y'all might be thinking, why God after my money? He don't need my money. I didn't say God needs your money. I said he's after your money. You know why he's after your money? Because that's where your heart is. If he has your money, then he has your heart. Because your money is your treasure. And what you really need to know is that your heart is connected to your wallet. Let me prove it. If God can get your wallet, then he can get your heart. I'm not the one that said it. Jesus said it. He said this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. Am I right? If, if, if you invest in something, look, watch this. If, if you had $10,000, let's say it was your life savings, and you saved up 10 grand, you saved up 30 grand, whatever it is, you take all that money that you worked hard for, and you put it in the stocks. Aren't you going to check every day to see how those stocks are doing? Why? Because it's your money. Because you worked hard for it. You made an investment. You're going to care about what you invest in. 
When you start investing something, guess where else? Guess what goes there too? Your heart. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So therefore, wherever your treasure is, whatever's really important to you, your heart's going to be there also. And what's most important to most of us? Money. Money. <laughs> if you want your heart in the kingdom, you have to put your treasure in the kingdom. It's a heart issue. Now looking at our scripture, our subject isn't about money. It's about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. And here's what people really don't want to hear. Watch this. If you give judgment, guess what you're going to get? Judgment. If you give condemnation, guess what you're going to get? Condemnation. You're going to get it this way, though. If you give, if you give uh, unforgiveness, you're going to get unforgiveness. But this is how God's going to give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So if I'm one of those people that like to condemn people, then people are going to turn around and condemn me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But if I'm a forgiving person, if I don't condemn people, then I'm going to get all that back. Which means if I love on people, I'm going to get love. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. That's what this scripture is all about. Now, you can apply the principle of God anywhere. It's, it's all about sowing the seed. Yeah, I understand it. Whatever you give, you're going to get back. That's how God is. He always gives back more of what you give. So if I'm giving love, I'm going to give back love. It's just a principle of God. So I just wanted to get that across to you so you can get it in your heart. Whatever you give, God will give back more. Now, what we have to do through this whole thing is we need to develop a heart of generosity. Amen. We have to develop a heart of generosity. You guys notice I, I said develop? Because naturally, we don't have a generous heart. It doesn't happen. Deuteronomy 15, 7 and 8. And I want to read this and then bring some things to our understanding. It says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Now, we can look at this with a worldly view, but I just want to just go over a few things very carefully to bring some understanding to the church. Okay? First of all, who is the Bible written to? It, to the church. It was written to the church, for the church, so that we can understand how the church works and how we should work as Christians. Unfortunately, what happens is when we read, if there's any among you a poor man, we think that a poor man is any poor man that's out there. But they're specific, if you read the scriptures, on who this poor man is and who he belongs to. It says, if there is among you, God said, among you, first statue, somebody that's among you, somebody that's a part of your what? He goes on to say this, your brethren. Amen. Amen. If there's any Christians, or as this word, any Israelites that are among you that are poor, 
you shall not harden your heart. What is God saying? If you look at the book of Acts, when you look at the church, it says that they all gave their possessions. And when they gave their possessions, everybody that was together, they didn't lack anything. He was speaking about the church. Here's the problem with toxic charity. Toxic charity. When we as a church go out and we give everything that we have to people that are on the streets, are out there, it doesn't convince them or convict them to want to be a part of God's church. Follow me. But if we do this, when somebody is, let's say, and I'm just going to give a scenario, somebody's out on the streets and they're struggling, you know, life just hit them hard or whatever decisions they made, and then one day somebody's out there witnessing to them, you might, you might give them a sandwich or something, they open up their ear to hear you, and you show them some love, begin to speak to them and tell them about Jesus Christ. Hey, look, man, just come to church. Well, I, you know, I don't have church clothes. It doesn't matter. I go to the building. You can come as you are. It's all good. Come and have a seat. So they come in. They hear the word of the Lord. They're convicted in their heart. They give their life to Jesus Christ. As they give their life to Jesus Christ, they start doing what Jesus does. They begin to serve, and they become a part of the church. They still are homeless, but they're out there. And I, I have to be honest with you. Just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay. I, when I gave my life to Jesus, I, I was missing teeth in my mouth, and I, did, I didn't grow them back when I became saved. Can I get an amen? God doesn't change your life like that. I, I, God blessed me that I ended up finding a dentist and got some fake teeth. You would never know because I just told you. I had coffee. So, so this person begins to serve God. He's in the church. He's, he's de dedicated. He's here on Sundays. He's here on Tuesdays. He's in the house of God. He's serving. He's doing what he can do to serve. He's a part of the body. And then all of a sudden, because... You know, people see, watch, people see how faithful he is and how loyal he is and that he's serious about his Jesus walking all of a sudden. Somebody like Lionel, who has a business, says, hey, man, I got a couple of jobs. You want to come and work? Uh, you can come and do this. Yeah, man, sure, I need a job. So he starts working. He starts saving. He becomes faithful. He starts tithing. He starts giving. And then all of a sudden, other blessings open up for him. He's a part of God's church. Then somebody says, hey, could be somebody like Stan. Stan says, hey, I have some apartment buildings. I got a, a room that's open. I understand you're, you're working hard. This is what I'm going to do for you because I see that you're faithful. I see you've been faithful to the house of God. I'm going to open up this door for you. You can stay in my apartment building for maybe three months, run rent-free. We can make it up some other way if you just take care of the grounds. This, and then he does that, and he has an apartment. Now, before you know it, three years later, you would never know that he was homeless because he's worked his way up because the people of God came around him, strengthened him, and showed him what the family God is about. We got a saved person, but here's where it changes. He's outside of the church and he's cleaning up and he's blowing all the dirt everywhere and he runs into one of his buddies he was homeless with three years ago. Like, Man, I didn't even recognize you. What happened? I gave my life to the Lord and I found a real church that cares. And I, it was hard work but look where the Lord's brought me from. Amen. 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 It's to be for you too. It's just going to take some hard work, dedication, and giving your life over to Jesus. And that person looks at him, sees what Jesus can do, not just hears what Jesus can do, but he sees it for himself because that guy has now become a walking witness. And now he says, what must I do to be saved? That's what this is all about. But when 
when we go out and we're giving people like sandwiches and cookies and, and bread and food, and we're like, listen, come here. And they're like, hey, look, the one taco was cool, but can I get another taco? And you're like, no, I can't give you another taco, but I tell you what, if you let me pray for you, I'll give you another taco. I'll do whatever, just give me another taco. That doesn't get people saved. It's toxic charity. It will teach people to go from church to church to get a handout. But never, life will never change. The gospel is about repentance. And that's what we do. So in the scripture, it's talking about people among us. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in community service. I believe that we shouldn't feed people. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when we devote our time and by think that we're doing great God's work by feeding those people, that's not what it is. It's about bringing people to repentance through the love of God. Not preaching it, but showing it. Amen. 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 So now that we got that, we have to develop a heart of generosity. Now, the first thing that we do in developing a heart of generosity, we have to deal with our selfish heart. We have to deal with our selfish heart. Verse 9 says, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become a sin among you. Now, do you guys know that every seven years on your credit, if there's bad credit on it, it gets wiped off? You guys know that? You guys know that? Do you realize that's a biblical principle? It was called the year of Jubilees, and what happens is every seven years you have to release people from their debt. And in this scripture, what it's saying to you is don't get wicked thought in your heart because you know it's the seventh year, and on the seventh year that you somebody comes up to you like it's, it's, it's like the sixth year, 364th day, and they come in and ask you for some money, and you're like, I'm gonna lend you some money, but come tomorrow, you don't have to owe it to me anymore. Because I'm not gonna give it back. I'm not gonna get it back. God says, don't let that wicked thought come in your heart. What is he saying? The principle of that is, when you give, don't be given expecting things back. When you give, when you, when you give to the Lord, don't be expecting, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you because I know I'm going to get it back. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. Run it over. Don't do that. He says, it's a wicked thought. But when you give, you give to meet a need. It's not all about getting it back. Do you guys understand why God created giving? He didn't create giving for, for the benefit of the church. He created giving for the benefit of you and uh, specifically. Matter of fact, I had to sit down and ask myself, did God create giving? Maybe giving is God. Maybe giving is an attribute of God. So it wasn't something he created. It's something he is. And if giving is a part of what and who God is, then I can take on the DNA of God by giving. God so loved the world that he giving is a part of God. He's constantly giving. That's what he does. He's a giving God. And if I want to be like God, then I have to be giving also. Giving more than any other activity works selfishness and greed and out of us and allows the DNA of God to adhere to our lives. If you guys understand that anytime people are talking about giving, most preaching is about giving to get. And that goes against the principles of God. You don't give to get. God didn't give his only begotten son 
so that he can get something back. He looked at the world. He saw you. He saw me and says, you need something. You need me. So how am I going to get you back to me? I know that there's a need. I see it. And I'm going to give my only begotten son to meet your need. And when he gave his only begotten son to meet your need, he ended up reaping a harvest of souls. But he didn't give because he needed something. God doesn't need anything. When we give to get, we're working more selfishness and greed into our lives. That's if you're sowing a seed for what you need. I can really see God saying if we do that, he's saying this, wow, my people are really getting the revelation of getting. You'll catch that later. Number two, dealing with a grieving heart. Deuteronomy 15, 10 says, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved. When you give to him, because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand to. How many people have worked really hard and got nothing? There's nothing more frustrating than working hard and not getting anything. But when you're a giver, God said that he's going to bless everything you put your hand to. Wow. When I take on the DNA of God by giving, God's going to bless everything I put my hand to. Do you guys realize that selfishness attacks us before we give? Wow. And grief attacks us after we give. Let me explain. There's times the Lord speaks to your heart and tells you to give. You're like, okay, God. Okay, I'm going to do that. And then you turn around and you give. You're like, now I'm going to give. And you put everything in the offering box and you're like, God, I thank you that every time I give, the life will be in touch. And the destiny's being changed. And you turn around, and then you sit down, and you go, I ain't got no money for lunch. <laughs> Praise God. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, I'm grieving because I just gave everything. Now I'm going to be hungry. I don't know if that's ever happened. If it hasn't, praise God. Just stick around church for a little while. <laughs> let, 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 me, let, me show you, let me show you guys how not to grieve, okay? How not to grieve. There comes a time. Just standing with pretty. There came a time my wife and I. And I remember uh, the Lord had called us to do something, and, and it was it was really big for us. I had just left my job. I had some money and savings and stuff like that. The Lord spoke to my heart. Listen to me when I say this. The Lord spoke to me. He spoke to my heart. He told me what to give. This is not me telling you. This is the Lord told me. I'm just telling you what happened with us. And I said, okay, God, and I know God. I've seen God work, but this time he required something major. And I came and I stood, and I remember at church, and I held this check up, and I said, I just want to let everybody know that God is telling me to do something, and I'm going to do it. So I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not doing. And I remember going down, and I went, and all of a sudden tears came in my eyes. <laughs> and I trust you, God. I place it on for a box. We had nothing now. Guess what happened? About three days later, you guys know what happened?
never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed baking bread. Hallelujah. I remember being broke, no food. I didn't want to tell anybody nothing because I'm pride. But I'm a pastor. I'm not going to tell nobody nothing. But we would show up to Rachel's house and my mom's house and Donald's house during dinner time. We wouldn't say nothing. Like, hey, oh, you guys are eating dinner. Man, we'll just stay here. We'll stay in because you know they ain't going to tell the pastor to leave. <laughs> pastor and the kids there to eat. We go eat. And we would do this. I, no food. Kind of. We go without. And this happened for months. But then one day, probably almost a year later, I get this phone call first saying, hey, we made this mistake on some of your paperwork and uh, for the stuff, your retirement that you put in, we're going to owe you back pay for a year plus this, and you're going to get full benefits of your retirement. You're going to have, I'm like, oh, praise God. I hang up the phone. Kyle, we got it. We're, we're in there. We're like swimwear. And then all of a sudden, I go out to the mailbox. This happened in one day. I go out to the mailbox, and there's this check from another entity, from the VA, from, from my VA. Oh, we have to back pay you for the last three years because we mispaid you. And then another check was in the mail. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It just began to, all of a sudden, God had opened up the windows of heaven and began to pour out a blessing on Kai and I. And not only were we able to pay off everything, we were able to go out and get out the ghetto. My God. We were able, I was, I was so tired of hearing the gunshots. And hearing everything else, and, and the dogs barking, and the, and, the, and, the, and the people fighting out in front of my house, and, and it was just crazy, and I was trying to raise my kids, and then, and then all of a sudden, God moved us to another place, and not only did he move us to another place, we had this house, and it's a beautiful home, but we, we had bid it for the house, and, the, and, and God blessed us, we, I mean, it was just so many blessings after blessings. And we ended up getting the house for, for $15,000 less than what we bid it on. And, and the furniture came. And, and I went and bought furniture because my wife said, we ain't sleeping on the floor. So I took the cash that we had and I spent it on some furniture. But then turned around the same day, BB shows up to my house and goes, oh, by the way, I got a check for you. And the check was almost to the penny. Almost to the penny. Exactly what I spent on the furniture. These type of things happen. Not just, not just for me. I'm telling you, there's people out there right now that when you're faithful to God and you have a heart of generosity, that God, his word stands true. Thank you. And you can have a seat. Are you grieved? You're not grieved by that? You know why she wasn't grieved by that? Because it wasn't her money. There's a message. If we treat the money that we get like it's not ours, we will not grieve when God asks for it back. It was never ours to begin with. That's the problem we have because we think that, oh, it's my money. When I got to get my money, then you're grieved. But when you're holding on to something, God calls us stewards. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything is his. All he's asking us to do is this. I just want 10% of my own money back. I'm the one that gave you the power. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. For it is the Lord thy God that has given you the power to obtain wealth. He's given me the power to be able to get this money. And it's, it's all yours, God. And then God says, thank you. I just want 10%.
we give back to God what's already his, we won't grieve. And here's the best part about it. He only wants 10% back, but I still ask him what I should do with the other 90%. generous heart. He says, you shall supply him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your winepress. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Listen, if you guys are ever giving wine as a gift to somebody, you, it has to come from your own winepress. You have to make your own wine to give to somebody. <coughs> okay, I'm lying. It's a joke. I don't know. It's like, don't tell that joke again. It's a joke, okay? Online, it was a joke. It says from your wine press. No. God wants us to be generous. He wants us to be able to give and to be like him. But we're so born with this heart that is all about me. You know, God says, if any man should come after me, let him deny himself. One of the biggest areas we have difficulty in is when it comes down to money. God wants us to deny ourselves. Number four, God wants us to develop a grateful heart. And as I bring this to a close, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. What is God commanding you? He's commanding you to be generous. Why is he commanding you to be generous? He says, first of all, you should be generous just because you're grateful about what I've done for you. Most of the time, the reason why we're so selfish is because we're not grateful. We don't recognize what God has done for us. I, I don't, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's still times I fear when God asks me to do big things like that. There's times that God will tell me to do things, and, and it's not that I'm grieving because I know God has been faithful, but there's this fear that comes over me sometimes, and I'm talking about money. When God asks me to give, and I'm like, man, but I go, God, I remember when I didn't have anything, and if you took care of me when I didn't have anything. Where I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to shame. 
But you have redeemed me, God, and I'm anything and I'm everything. I'm just grateful that you would use somebody like me. Because I know if you're using me, I'm going to end up touching somebody's life. And I'm going to end up changing your destiny. So my heart is grateful. We have to have a grateful heart. It's all about the heart. It starts where, wherever your treasure is at, your heart's going to be also. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom of God, invest your treasure. If you want your heart to be in your home, start investing more in your house. It's one thing I notice is when I ask God about us doing this new build and getting a new building, I say, God, I just, just let somebody come in here and write a check. Let there be somebody in here. Let Stephen Curry come in here with all his light skin glory. Come and write a $3.5 million check. He would never miss it. And I was like praying, I'm praying for it. And, and, and believe me, I'm telling you, there's things I pray for and it just happened. I said, so I started praying for it, but then I heard the word of the Lord say this. He says, if I give it to you, the people will not love what they get. Because they didn't invest anything in it. And I was like, wow. He says, let them work for it. Let them put their treasure into it so their heart will be into it. And when it's there, when it gets there, and it'll get there, it'll take some time. But it takes time to win somebody's heart. And as they keep investing in the kingdom, their heart will be there. And when their heart's there, I'll have their heart. And they'll care about what they're investing in. So I said, okay, I understand that, God. But it all starts with the heart.